Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Richard Harris. Hello, everybody. This is Richard Harris, and this is the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm excited about today's program. Uh, we have a wonderful guest with us today. For you longtime Truth and Liberty watchers and followers, you will definitely know uh, Kristen Hawkins, who's the head of Students for Life. And uh, Kristen's with us. I'm going to introduce her in just a second. Before I do that, though, I wanted to share with you just uh, some exciting announcements. Coming up in the first part of November, the second through the 4th is our annual women's conference at Andrew Womack Ministries. It's called Women Arise, and our special speakers this year are Carrie Pickett, Audrey Mack, and Elizabeth Murin. And ladies, uh, this one is for you. No, guys, you're not allowed at this event. This is for the women only. And uh, this is going to be an awesome time because every one of these women is a powerful speaker and a great teacher in their own right. And uh, you are going to get blessed and renewed and fired up. So be sure to register today on awmi.net. And also I wanted to let you guys know that Andrew is going to be in the Atlanta area on November 9th through the 11th for the Atlanta Gospel Truth Conference. It'll be at the Gas South Convention Center and Greg Fritz is going to be ministering with Andrew. If you've never heard Greg, uh, this would be a great opportunity to go hear him. He's a great teacher as well. I promise he will make you laugh too. So you can register for that at awmi.net. It's going to be a wonderful time. All right, guys. Well, our guest today is Kristen Hawkins. And Kristen is the president of the largest, uh, I'm going to say, I might get this wrong, but I think I'm right, the largest activist organization in the world for on the abortion and life issue called Students for Life. And uh, Chris, uh, Kristen has built this ministry up from the ground up over the last 16 years. And they have over 1,400 chapters at colleges and high schools around the nation. I'm going to let her tell you how many students are involved, but I think it's hundreds of thousands. And uh, they do more or as much as anybody else in the field to fight for the, the lives of the unborn. And uh, she's an amazing, amazing person, a hero and a real warrior for Christ, uh, standing up for the unborn and the less vulnerable. And I'm just really excited to have you on the show today. Kristen, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Richard. It's so great to be back with you all. Well, so you are busy as a one-armed paper hanger, as Andrew would say, I think, and busier than. <laughs> but tell me, what's going on at Students for Life these days? Uh, you mm -hmm. guys never stop. I know that. And uh, But I was just checking out your website. Before you answer the question, let me just share with the viewers a little bit of these stats. This is right off your homepage. This says that Students for Life has trained 180,000 advocates since 20, 2006, 750,000 conversations about abortion just last year, as I mentioned earlier, 1,400 campus groups, and 160,000 plus minds changed about abortion. And that's just getting started. So um, you do sleep at night, I presume, and uh, get a little time off, I hope. But tell me what's going on at Students for Life these days. Yeah, you know, Andrew, you know, it's been this nonstop year, as you can imagine, since Roe fell. And we kind of knew that heading into it. I was there talking with Andrew about that just about a year and a half ago. We were kind of preparing for 
what was coming next in this post row fell, this battle uh, is now not only federal, but it's state. And in every state across the country, we must be there to engage. And we have to be there to engage not only at the state capitals with Students for Life Action and Lobby Days and you know, introducing and passing legislation that saves lives, but we also have to be there on campuses where these young people are directly targeted by the abortion industry, having conversations with them because the fear factor when Roe was reversed went off the charts. And and that's mm-hmm. what we're seeing on campuses. We're averaging about a 10% minds changed rate with our work on campuses. And surprisingly, that actually held steady even after Roe is worse. However, we've seen our number of vandalizations, our number of uh, violent attacks against our, our team members, our students, uh, First Amendment free speech issues. They've more than doubled. We had more than 100% increase last year. It was our highest on record. So we're fighting at all levels in the campuses, not only to changed minds and to start conversations about the violence of abortion, uh, not only to transform campuses to finally support pregnant and parenting women so no woman ever again feels like she has to make that decision for abortion where she knows that she can be supported. She can choose, you know, both her child and herself. Uh, But we also now have to fight just for our very rights to be present on those campuses. I, I myself am supposed to go to a campus uh, in two days and I was canceled. The university refused to allow me a room to speak on a public school campus. I'm still going, but I'll be tabling outside in the cold as opposed to be able to speak in a lecture hall. And so um, these cases are, are, are forthcoming, obviously, but uh, we've been very busy just, just doing what we do in changing the culture uh, not only not even getting into all that we're doing to change the laws, to uh, combat some of the work that we've seen from the Biden administration, especially the FDA, to ramp up the distribution, illegal distribution of chemical abortion pills, which are now the leading cause of death in America. They're the leading abortion, and these pills lead to injury, infertility, and death of women. They're the drug of choice by sex abusers to cover up their crimes. And when you're talking to pro-choice young people, the thing that really gets them upset is they're harming our environment, too, beyond also killing babies and a lot of babies. Wow. That is a lot. There's a a little outline there I can follow and cover the whole show there, Kristen. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) I I do want to remind our callers, this is the live call-in show. If you've got questions for Kristen uh, or for me today on the subject of life, Uh, or how you can get involved perhaps or make a difference in this massive, massive subject that sometimes seems Mm -hmm. so huge, Um, you know, please call in. Our number is 719-619-2341 or on any other subject. Uh, We're here to take your calls. We'd love to hear from you today. So, Christian, you said that after Roe fell, violence uh, spiked and vandalism and free speech infringements. Um, It's like the left sort of panicked, right? And uh, uh, what would you say? Their safety blanket was taken away from them and they're freaking out. No, that's absolutely right. I mean, you think about the feminist movement and the messaging that women have been told our whole lives, especially those of us who were born after 1973, that we can be free, equal citizens, that we can achieve just as much as men can achieve if we have access to abortion. And even the KCV Planned Parenthood, the majority decision 
uh, in the early 90s, the Supreme Court reaffirmed this misogynistic fact that women needed abortion in order to break the glass ceiling. And so you have women who've been told their whole lives that they needed abortion in order to achieve their career and educational goals. They may not have liked abortion. Majority of them don't like abortion. They get kind of an icky feeling on their heart or in their gut when they think about abortion because, because it's written on the human heart not to want to kill innocent, vulnerable babies, right? Uh, but they always see... And they always have seen abortion as like a get out of jail free card. So our Dimitri Institute for Pro-Life Advancements, our messaging arm, it's Students for Life and the Pro-Life Generation. We've done a lot of research in movable middle young people, young women, young men. And I, I myself, when we, we first started this study about three and a half years ago of young women, young women who are so frustrating for me of the, I don't like abortion, but how do we... How do we speak to those young women to get them to move closer to our side? That was one of the discoveries, one of the ahas that we had from that research of these young women don't like abortion, but they see abortion as that get out of jail free card, that one time. And so when you're talking to young people on campuses about uh, now abortions unavailable in your state or largely unavailable in your state, what you're grappling and what they're grappling with and why you see the hatred, the vitriol uh, that comes against the pro-life movement is because eliminating abortion access or severely restricting abortion access challenges them. They already have this icky feeling about abortion, but in their back of their minds, they've always kept it open for an option. Removing that option causes them to have to stop and think about some decisions they're making, the men that they're sleeping with, their partners that they have. Uh, because when you can't just go and get it taken care of, uh, and when you may be forced to, to deliver to a live birth, um, that may change who, your decisions and who you're having relationships with. And so it's it's more be, it's more than just simply changing their mind on an issue like the death penalty or border security or election integrity. Those are issues that don't, I mean, they can change their minds on, but it doesn't really affect their day-to-day -day lives. Changing your mind on abortion will potentially change your whole life. Wow. You know, I don't think I have ever heard it described that way. That is really illuminating. And um, I, I had it in my notes today. I wanted to ask you this question. I'm just going to jump to it, even though it's kind of right deep in the middle of the whole subject, but which is you go around to colleges all over the place and you're mm -hmm. constantly debating on this. My, my wife was actually watching a, one of your videos this week and um, it was intense, man, as you were toe to toe with these folks in some room on a college campus and it was astounding to me the things that some of these students were saying to you i think you might remember them there was even a student this is absolutely the, one of the grossest thing i've ever heard who said that she would eat a fetus i think it was in a, in the midst of a discussion about well if you're willing to eat animals why do you care whether we abort babies um, and uh, I was just blown away by, by the vulgarity and the base thinking of that. But Kristen, here's my question, and, and I, I hope w I, people who are watching won't take any offense at this, but I think intellectually and morally and philosophically, this boils down to um, a, 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 is this ultimately uh, a fight over whether I can have consequence-free sex? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what we're seeing now. Uh, more so than ever, I'm hearing the my body, my choice rhetoric. You know, we've always heard that, right? That's been the 1970s mantra. Um, but I was talking to a friend today via text message who just wrote a book on this. Um, because what we're hearing now is girls saying, my body, my choice. We get down to the heart of the matter. Well, what is it, right? If if what's inside of your body is not a unique human being, then you don't need any justification to have an abortion. You can have as many abortions as you want. I don't care. But if what is inside of your body is a unique quality human being, then there's no justification you could give that would say that would be okay. And we've gotten to a point now in I would call post-Christian society uh, where many of them are okay simply saying, I understand that. Fine. I'll, I'll listen to you know your science and whatever. If you want to call it a human being, whatever, fine. But I'm okay killing it. And um, mm. they have no problem like flat out admitting that. Or in the past, that would cause most people to kind of pause and try to reevaluate what they're saying. So it doesn't sound so bad. I mean, that's what you saw uh, about the fetus, the girl saying she would eat a fetus. That's a new thing. It used to be people were just like, flip you off and tell you to F off. Now on campuses, we just reported our sixth rubber fetal model was eaten uh, or chewed up this school year. And that's like a new thing that the abortion supporters get so enraged when we're there tabling, when we have an educational display, our, our display this semester is what is a person? There's no uh, imagery of abortion victims. It's a scientific argument, a philosophical argument. We give students beans to like vote and put their vote in the jar when they think a, a child in the womb develops uh, human rights or should have human rights, uh, personhood rights. And they get so angry uh, mm -hmm. that they are now like stealing our fetamols, which by the way are a choking hazard, and either chewing <laughs> them up and then spitting them out after we ask for our property returned or they're swallowing them whole. Like it, I've never seen in 18 years of students for life, I've never seen this happen. Um, and I think it just speaks to the anger that is out there and that these young people do not know how to express themselves and have a conversation beyond, I'm gonna steal your fetal model and eat it as if that hurts my feelings or you know, makes them win the argument. It just makes wow. them look deranged and hurting. Yeah, that's incredible. So, um... It seems like with, uh, as you and so many others have, you know, clearly and convincingly put the, the objective science out there, then the, the proponents of abortion, mm -hmm. you really don't hear them claim as often that it's just a lump of tissues. You do, but it doesn't seem to be as frequent because there's no really room for debate there that it's a, not a human, not a living human being. And so with that, they're falling back onto, onto more desperate, uh, arguments yep. and things like that. Am I right about that? Yeah, I mean, they still argue. I mean, it doesn't matter what campus I'm at, Harvard or a community college or a state school or a high school, they'll still make stupid arguments like <laughs> it's not human, it's not alive. Um, what I do at that point is I hope that I have enough of a crowd around me who's listening and pro-choice kind of in the middle students listening to um to the scientific inaccuracy of those who support abortion, that in order to support abortion, they have to deny science. And they get really mad when you call them a science denier, but that's what they are. Um, and then when they get exasperated, you know, I'll use 
chat, GBT, AI, I'll use. The new thing is, I was telling my husband the other day, we, we've been making fun of all weekend, is you'll say something. And before you can finish saying something, students will go, cite your source, cite your source. You know, so I was on campus last week at Flagstaff in Northern Arizona, and I would say something like, cite your source. And it was like every single thing. So I'd be like, all right, so I'm going to go to Google, and I'm going to type in this question. You can't use Google. I'm like, well, actually, Google's helpful because it pulls up, you know, research studies. And then it was like, you can't use anything besides a doctor. And I'm like, well, some doctors kill people. So just because I'm not a medical doctor doesn't mean I don't have authority to speak on this. But here, I'll go to Google, and every, it was like every little statistic I gave, oh, cite your source. Uh, and that's just trying to, like, shut down the conversation. Um, but it's... It's pretty interesting. I mean, when they get exasperated and when you get them backed into a corner, they eventually will have to admit, fine, it's a human. It's not a koala bear. It's not a marsupial. It's obviously a human. Uh, fine. It's, a, it's living because it's growing, right? It's not dead. But then the argument is, but it's not a person. And they may not articulate it that way, but that's what the entire argument comes down to is. Is the human in the womb at the moment of conception a unique, whole living human being with personhood rights, or is it not? And so that's really the intelligent. If you're trying to get down to an intelligent discussion about abortion, that's where it should go. Is when do you think humans get their personhood rights? Um, and and any moment beyond the conception of that human becomes a slippery slope. And we know throughout human history, when we separate being a person from being human, terrible, awful, tragic things happen. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's what I try to get them down to. But I mean, honestly, when they're screaming, yelling at me, the best thing I can do is make a logical argument and hope. And I get, I get the best seat in the house because while they're yelling at me, I'm getting to watch the eyeballs of the other people who are listening, who are mm. thinking like, Oh yeah, my friend just didn't make any complete sense on that. You know, um, and that's how we, that's how we're changing minds. Wow. That's amazing. So, um, on, uh, students for life, I just want to share with folks a little bit more about what you're doing so that they, uh, can take advantage of the great work you're doing, Kristen and, and connect. Um, you mm -hmm. guys, let me ask you this. I think a lot of, a lot of Christians out there, a lot of people in general, uh, don't necessarily feel like they're equipped with all the scientific facts and the dates and gosh, when does a heartbeat begin? And I don't know all these things. So they mm -hmm. feel a little bit intimidated. They're not as prepared to enter into the fray. How, is there anything that you guys provide that can help people be more prepared to discuss this issue? Absolutely. Uh, if you go to Students for Life's website, we have a really great, like just uh, learn site uh, where it's got all the information you need about fetal development, how the human develops in the womb, how abortions are are done, uh, what happens in an abortion to the mother, to the child, the risks uh, of having an abortion. All of that's just on our website, and you don't have to be a quote unquote student uh, to learn to learn that. It's it's super simple. Um, and it really, I mean, honestly, you can Google most of these things. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's not, I have found over the years of doing this, it's, you know, you don't have to be too afraid to have abortion conversations. I know a lot of us are, but really when it comes down to it, there are like five arguments really that pro-abortion people use on campuses, maybe six. I have to add them all up, but it's really the same thing. And once you start thinking about a logical, compassionate response to those five or six questions, that's what every single argument always comes down to. Mm. And it doesn't matter where you're at. 
Well, so up until Roe was overturned, it seemed like the pendulum on public opinion, you kind of alluded to this, was sort of swinging our way a little bit. People were realizing, hey, uh, mm -hmm. I've seen an ultrasound, I've heard a beating heart, this ha is a human being, we can't continue to do this, at least mm -hmm. more and more people. It seemed to me, maybe I'm wrong, but like you said, when Roe was overturned, it was like the reaction has been visceral, emotional, yeah. a lot of anger. Do you think the public is, is, uh, ha has lurched back the other direction now, or what's going on in terms of public opinion at this point? I don't think the fundamental truth of what people feel about abortion has changed. Mm -hmm. I think the fear factor has been ratcheted up, the amount of misinformation that we've had to combat and how quickly Planned Parenthood, aided by the mainstream media, spread that misinformation. For example, there was an article in like The Guardian last October, and it was like, this is what pregnancy tissue looks like. And it was a Petri dish, and there was white tissue in it. And it was pregnancy tissue. They weren't lying. It was uh, placental tissue. So there wasn't all the pregnancy tissue because the baby was removed from the Petri dish. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I can't. It was like every single campus our staff went to after that argument, that article came out from like this British online brag, every single campus is our students, our students, life leaders went to that students would bring up that image. It was like, see, see, you're a liar. Look at this news article. And you're like, well, you're not wrong. That's pregnancy tissue, but it's not all the pregnancy tissue because you're missing the human being. So they weren't technically lying, but they clearly were trying to mislead you into believing that was it. Um, and so it, it was, to me, that even shocked me at how fast that misinformation spread. As soon as Roe fell, right, we saw Planned Parenthood saying pro-life laws and pro-life states are going to ban women who are experiencing life-threatening ectopic pregnancy from getting care they deserve. There isn't one pro-life law that's been introduced, that's been passed, that's been enacted, that, does, that prevents a woman who's experiencing ectopic pregnancy. That's when the child is lodged in the woman's fallopian tube. And there is no way, as of right now, to save the life of that child. Uh, and what has to be done is the, that child has to be removed from the woman's fallopian tube before her, her fallopian tube bursts and she bleeds out internally and dies. Um, and so Planned Parenthood on their own website until last August said that an abortion is not the same as treatment for ectopic pregnancy. Like they literally came out and said it. This kind of uh, fear mongering happened Planned Parenthood changed their website. I have screenshots of their website before and after how they purposely changed the language on their website to make it more scary for women. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what we've been doing. I don't think uh, people's hearts have been changed. I think what I talked about at the beginning where you have women who are against abortion, aren't comfortable with abortion, but they've always seen abortion as that one get out of jail free card. I think there was a lot of women that then started getting afraid and Planned Parenthood and the mainstream media just fueled that fear all last summer. Um, and, and even now, though, it's so different. Like, I mean, I remember for months I was getting calls from reporters like asking me about like w what women have died from abortions, self-induced abortions. There hasn't been any stories. You know, they're like they're searching. They're still actively searching. Now they're searching for stories of you know, OBs in red states who've told women um, they can't have an abortion even though they have a risky pregnancy. Now, what they're saying is, not saying they're not going to treat her, but what they're saying is we're not going to go in and purposely end the life of your child. They may induce a C-section and the child may die. 
Um, but the media has tried to twist that into OBs aren't caring for women with high-risk pregnancies. But there aren't any of these stories. I mean, I was in Texas for six weeks last spring, um, you know, and there weren't any women like dying in back alley abortions and, you know, back alleys all throughout Texas because their abortion law had already gone into effect before the Dobbs decision. Those stories just don't simply exist. So that's mm. that's really their fear and their propaganda they've been putting on the hearts of women. So the, um, many states since Roe was overturned have passed uh, new restrictions on abortion or or uh, several new heartbeat laws and others. Can you kind of summarize where we are on that and how many states have enacted uh, uh, tighter uh, restrictions on abortion? Yeah, of course you would ask that question. I don't have that stat <laughs> right in front of my. I I can try to find it for you before the end of this. Um, okay. Right now, I would say where we're at is about half and half. Um, it kind of the the the, the it's a hard. How about this? It's a hard answer because literally every single day, Richard, that answer changes because mm -hmm. a different law gets thrown out, a different law gets upheld, and so it's always changing. Sure. Um, you know, the spring session, we, we were extremely busy in introducing legislation uh, at the state level. Then we had some legislation that was passed, and then some of it was struck down. So, okay, so my friends at the SBA list, uh, they have, I keep, I use their tracker because they have like a little nice little map. Mm -hmm. um, what they say is you've got 25 states uh, that have at least have some sort of uh, protection in place. Um, and, I, and I think that, like, that's why I say, I, I always refer to it as we have half states where you're free to be born and half states where you're free to kill. Mm. So those that have restrictions or protections, I should say, for the unborn, uh, how many of those are heartbeat laws or, you know, some kind of what you would consider to be really early bans on abortion? Um, it's the majority of them have pretty early bans, uh, you know, West Virginia, Indiana, Kentucky, Missouri, Arkansas, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, wow. Arbil in, in Oklahoma, Texas, Idaho, the Dakotas, um, now Florida. Now Florida's bill is being, uh, we're still waiting on that because we were able to pass, we spent a lot of time, at our, our team in Florida in the winter getting a heartbeat bill passed because it was the fifth highest abortion state um, but they have it. They've passed it. Governor DeSantis has signed it into law. But we are awaiting the Supreme Court decisions on their earlier 15-week bill. If that bill is allowed to go into effect, then our heartbeat bill goes into effect. Uh, North Carolina and Nebraska both passed 12-week laws uh, this session, which I thought were was kind of the least that they could do. Let's put it that way. If we would have had a couple more GOP members like willing to do the right thing. In fact, Nebraska came down to one state senator, Merv uh, Rapey, uh, literally had he done the right thing and upheld his pro-life beliefs, we would have banned and prevented all abortions at heartbeat in the state. But his one vote uh, derailed mm. us. Now we have states like Ohio, um, Iowa, uh, they have, um, they have heartbeat protection. I think they've got some legal challenges going as well. But yeah, most of them are heartbeat or better. Uh, we passed in Wyoming this spring. It was just enacted July 1st that, that prevents all chemical abortions in the state, which is really important because you think about even if your state has prevented surgical abortions, your state isn't preventing chemical abortions from right. flowing on the border. 
Uh, and that's really where the majority of abortions are actually being committed now is using these chemical abortion drugs. And your daughter, your granddaughter, your great granddaughter can go order these drugs in most places in five minutes. She doesn't have to prove how far along she's in pregnancy, which is incredibly dangerous. Um, a rapist can order these drugs in five minutes to cover up her crimes. She doesn't have to prove she's not RH negative, which if she's RH negative and doesn't get treatment during the pregnancy, she may never be able to carry another child to term. Um, these drugs are flowing into our states. Women are aborting their children in the bathrooms and returning to the scene of the crime. I know Andrew and I talked about this, Richard, before. I think you and I might have talked about this before. Um, we've got to... You know, even if you live in a state like that, you're like, oh, my state's good. We've prevented abortions. That doesn't mean you're preventing hey, chemical abortions. Kristen, let me interrupt you. I won't, we'll pick up on this in just a few, uh, a couple minutes, but we got to take a break now, uh, about 90 seconds, and we'll be right back. Be sure to call in with your questions and comments. We'd love to talk to you today, 719-619-2341. I'm here with Kristen Hawkins, the head of Students for Life. We'll be right back. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Okay, folks, we're back now on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. Uh, my guest today is Kristen Hawkins. Just before the break, we were talking about the abortion pill and how that we have many, uh, we're beginning to get a lot of great laws at the state level uh, uh, protecting the unborn. But you know, um, abortion is now available by medication, this thing called the abortion pill. And in the United States, we've given the federal government the power to regulate uh, drugs, right? And, and things like that. And so the FDA has approved this abortion pill or, or they, they say they have, we, we don't think they did it in a legal way, but Kristen was talking about that and how dangerous this medication is. I just want to pick up with that, Kristen. And also you've got an important lawsuit that's happening right here in Colorado. You want to talk about that as well? Yeah, no, it's, uh, this, this is a very serious situation with chemical abortion pills. Uh, these drugs lead to injury, infertility, and death of women. They are the drug of choice by sex abusers. And we know now that they're also harming our environment, our fish, and our animal life, because the active metabolites that are active that end the life of the preborn child that cause contractions in the woman to expel a dead child, um, they're all, they remain active after she passes the child. She's told to sit on the toilet or get in the bathtub and not to look and to 
pass her child into our wastewater systems, which violates a plethora of laws about mm. what you should or should not put into water. For example, like you can't like cut off your arm, uh, go to the hospital and be like, hey, I want my arm and I want to take it home and bury it in the backyard because we have like really strict rules about how we're supposed to dispose of body parts in this country to protect our water and our soil. Um, so we know it's violating uh, the law uh, on several regards. What's happening in Colorado, for example, is uh, the state is so extreme. This, this is what gets me every time. Abortion advocates, they hate the fact that pro-lifers talk about the abortion pill reversal process. They hate the fact that it, we now know of thousands of babies who've been born after the mothers have taken the first pill, an RU-46 to two-pill cocktail. They hate it. Uh, and so they've been trying, and what they've successfully done in Colorado, it's the first state, to my knowledge, to do this. They've, not, they've passed a law that basically says you are gagged if you operate in the state of Colorado from mentioning that the abortion pill reversal process uh, can be done. And they, they try to say, oh, it's ineffective or can potentially harm women. We don't know. It's not. We have studies proving it. And in fact, if you know anyone who's ever gone IVF, they go under the same protocol. Uh, so it is actually not harmful to women. Uh, we have proven it to be effective. Uh, but the abortion industry does not want anyone to survive an abortion. They certainly don't want anyone to think that there can be survivors of abortion. Why? Because if there's survivors of abortion, then it might cause people to ask themselves, what is it we're aborting? Mm. We're simply not just aborting clumps of cells, right? We're aborting human beings. Uh, so Colorado passed a law putting a gag order on pro-life pregnancy centers, pro-life doctors, even groups like ours uh, from going to the doors and educating people about the abortion pill reversal process. So there's going to be a hearing tomorrow with the federal judge in Denver on the you know unconstitutional order of this state law. So folks need to be in prayer on that because what happens in Colorado, what happens with this law is not going to stop in Colorado. Uh, if it is uh, upheld and pro-life First Amendment uh, rights and our speech is gagged, they will attempt to do this in multiple other states immediately. A lot of folks are paying attention uh, to what's happening there. Well, Kristen, these people are supposedly in favor of a woman's right to choose, and yet they mm -hmm. don't want her to know that there is a uh, uh, an abortion pill reversal medication that she can take. That seems inconsistent to me. It definitely is inconsistent. You have to ask yourself, I've asked myself this, why? Why do they care, right? They've already gotten their $500 from her. They've already made their money off of her. Uh, the abortion pill reversal process, I mean, I don't think anyone charges a, a woman to save the life of a child. So my question would be, well, why does the abortion industry care if they've already made their money off of her? The only thing I can come up with what I said is that they don't want there to be survivors of abortion. On Wednesday, I'll be on Capitol Hill speaking with uh, Melissa Odin, who I know mm -hmm. Andrew's interviewed because I was right. with Melissa one time and interviewed both of us uh, on his, his, his show. Uh, she heads up Abortion Survivors Network. So we have a national exposed list term abortion day of action happening this Wednesday in 23 states across the country. Well, we're simply just going out telling people late-term abortion exists, it is real, and Democrats are the ones that support it because we have seen this summer throughout all these CNN, GOP, candidate town halls, there must have been a memo that went out from Planned Parenthood 
telling these mainstream reporters to say that late-term abortion wasn't real because they know, you know, 90% of Americans aren't okay with thinking about abortions happening in the second, third trimester. Um, and so it's it's done on quite a number. They know it's damaging for them when it comes to 2024 and the elections. And so what they're trying to do is pull the wool over everyone's eyes to say it doesn't exist. But the fact is it does exist. I was on uh, campus last week on Thursday and I called um, a late-term abortionist in Bethesda, Maryland, and scheduled an appointment at 34 weeks. No questions asked. They didn't ask mm. me if there was anything wrong with me. They didn't ask me if there was any um, uh, fetal anomalies diagnosed. They didn't care. All they wanted to know was how big the baby was, and they were going to tell me how much they charged. Dr. William Hearn still operates in Boulder, Colorado. We've called and done the same thing. We're going to be releasing videos this week of several late-term abortionists proving to America the late-term abortion exists, and when you commit these abortions later in pregnancy, the chances of the child surviving it greatly increases. And that's why we're mm. going to be toasting our event with Melissa on Capitol Hill, because we need Democratic members to understand that there are actual, literal abortion survivors that walk among us. And they are in the thousands. Uh, this is not a rare case. Um, but why does the abortion industry not want to acknowledge it? They, they flat out will say that people like Melissa and others are just lying. The late term mm. abortions don't exist, therefore there's no survivors. But we know they exist, and we know these people's lived experience, their actual stories of how they survived abortion, and we need to get these stories out there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's just another ridiculous thing to, for them to say. I mean, there's, there's, there's photographic evidence, there's eyewitness testimony, there's tons of evidence that late-term abortions happen. If they didn't happen, then why don't we just, uh, why doesn't Colorado set the, the law at, you know, yeah, what, 30 why we weeks? Why, why do we yeah. insist that it go all the way to term? Yeah, it doesn't make sure. any sense. That's craziness. Well, so this abortion pill, um, now the FDA has authorized it, but, but we believe that the method or the way they did that was not legal, right? Is there a legal challenge going on to that right now? And where is that? In the courts, there's several there's several legal challenges going on. We're waiting on a, a ruling right now on that. I think it's going to be the Supreme Court. Uh, one, they rushed approval in 2000 for chemical abortions using an uh, approval process to quickly approve AIDS drugs, uh, and they used the AIDS crisis to push it through. Um, they attached REMS risk evaluation mitigation strategies to these drugs as black box label. There's only about 70 to 80 drugs that the FDA has approved that are in, are in use to have these black box warnings because they're so dangerous. There's, I mean, even during the Obama, two terms of the Obama administration, his FDA upheld the black box warning, you know, admitting that these drugs were dangerous for women. Um, during the COVID crisis, though, the abortion lobby seized on that crisis, like Rahm Emanuel has taught them in the Democratic politics, and to never let a good crisis go to waste. And that's exactly what they did. They knew that there were about 20 cases making uh, its way up to the Supreme Court to challenge Roe. Uh, they knew the Supreme Court was going to be meeting soon on the constitutionality of the Mississippi decision that banned abortions. And so they wanted to hedge their bets. And the way they had to, wanted to hedge their bets was to get chemical abortions uh, deregulated so that no matter where a woman lived, no matter what state she lived in, uh, she would still have access to drugs to end the life of her child. And they pushed the Biden administration to get rid of all these REMS. Uh, and that's what the lawsuit, there's a federal lawsuit that pro-life doctors and the Alliance Defending Freedom uh, are waging, saying, look, at the very minimum, 
you should put the, the regulations back in place, meaning she has to see a doctor in person. She has to confirm she's not having a life-threatening ectopic pregnancy. Because if she takes a pregnancy test yeah. and it comes up positive, and then she takes this drug and she's having ectopic pregnancy, this could actually quicken her death. I mean, it's, it's, it, this is dangerous stuff. Um, and so that's what that lawsuit's about. It's still kind of pending. There was one judge, then a panel of, of five judges from the Fifth Circuit said yes. I think there's still a challenge on it. I'm not, it, it, like I said, it changes in the day. There's, we have filed students for life four system petitions against the FDA uh, because when they approve this drug using that rapid protocol, you literally have to check a box to make sure the drug that the FDA is approving doesn't harm uh, endangered species, listed endangered species act, doesn't violate the Clean Water Act. They literally didn't even check the box. Like, they just didn't do it. Um, and so we've uncovered that. And so we've been saying, well, at minimum, you've got, you owe America an environmental assessment here of what these drugs are doing, because there's several studies published at the NIH's website, overseas studies about how chemical abortion drugs are harming the water. The most famous one is a, is a Nile River uh, study. And so we know this is affecting the water, but it's been um, it's unbelievable trying to get uh, the left, uh, you know, they, they say that the, the environmentalists, but uh, not when it comes to abortion, Richard. Right. Wow. That's amazing. Well, uh, Kristen, we've got a caller on the line I want to take, and then uh, we'll see if we can get back to this uh, abortion pill. But we've uh, got a caller, AJ, from Colorado, who's on the line. Uh, hey, AJ, and uh, thanks for being a subscriber. What's your question today? Yes, sir. Thank you. I was wondering if... Uh Ms. Hawkins could comment on whether or not Gen Z students are more open to being pro-life than the millennials have been. Um, yeah, that's a good question, AJ. I mean, I think, you know, Gen Z definitely has saw through some of the what we call snowflake BS of the millennials. Uh, they, 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 they resent some of that. Um, I think, you know, what we've seen is they are definitely more open to being pro-life because they see abortion as a justice and a fairness issue, that abortion definitely is targeting the weak, the vulnerable who has no voice, um, and is saying that, you know, the stronger uh, gets to choose whether or not they live or die. Uh, they definitely see the injustice uh, and the lack of resources for, for pregnant and parenting women on campuses in our communities. They agree with us uh, that more must be done. Um, I don't know if they're more, I would say more pro-life. I, I, I do think there are certain um, things that they're, you know, you know, honestly, if you look at the generations now, AJ, millennials are older. They're starting to get married. Uh, they're starting to have children. So I actually think more millennials will soon become more pro-life as they first see that first ultrasound of their children, uh, assuming they have children. I think that's actually the bigger issue uh, that every American should be concerned about is the studies coming out now of millennials and Gen Z members who are saying they are not interested in having kids at all. Uh, and if they do, maybe one, because we are now since COVID below replacement value for the first time uh, and maybe ever in our in, a, in American history. Uh, and that's, you know, even pro-choice Elon Musk says that's like the greatest threat to our civilization. Um, and so we've got to do a better job of talking to both generations about why, you know, um, creating new members of our human species matters. 
You know, the Bible says, Kristen, that, uh, just picking up on that issue, that we are to be fruitful and multiply, that mm -hmm. uh, children are in heritage of the Lord, um, and that blessed mm -hmm. is the man whose quiver is full of them. And yet in our modern culture, this is a great example of how um, the church has been discipled by the culture instead of the other yeah. way around. As uh, Christians even today are having fewer and fewer children, yeah. one point something or other kids per Christian family, which in wow. my mind is a little bit of a direct violation of, of God's will. Because, and the only thing I can think of is that we're just valuing uh, our own selfish um, pleasures yeah. and conveniences in life above the, uh, the beauty of human life and the calling to bring uh, life into Some the world. Do you ever think yeah, I mean, about that and talk that. about that? We definitely see that on campuses, right? Where students are like, you know, they want to, you know, I, I have to have a kid that I pay for all four years of college. And it's going to be $125,000 for four years of college or state school um, pretty soon. Uh, so, like, you know, even remember when my husband and I met with a financial advisor who was a Christian years ago, he was like, well, how do you plan on paying for four years of state school? Even if you do state school, that's $500,000 for four kids. And I was like, ah. Yeah. You know, like, man, if, if I had talked to this man before I had children, uh, I would have been scared, right? Um, and so I think you definitely have some of that, uh, you know, that you have, they have to have all the money and they need mm. all the money, mm. uh, which there's never going to be enough money. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, um, so, so there is some of that. Some of it's just, you know, selfishness. Um, but honestly, something that we haven't talked about is that how young people have been dramatically affected by the climate change fear-mongering. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't think we fully have really delved down, and there's been some studies recently about this, about young children, how terrified they are of climate change. I remember this as a kid, and they would talk about pollution, right? And they would have whole programs in my, my public school about pollution. We didn't have climate change, but that shifted in the 90s with these young kids, early 2000s, about climate change. And so that's what we hear more that I don't think a lot of people have really started to understand is they're told having more children, procreating is, is you know, is harms our earth. And if we want to protect Mother Earth, we need to have less, we need to have less babies. And they've seen that, you know, how many, how many celebrities have said, that? I mean, friends Harry and Meghan Markle said that they wouldn't have more than two children because it would be harmful to the earth, you know. Um, and so that's actually something we have, we have scared these kids that the w w earth is going to be destroyed. Uh, and I think like most of the estimations have already been proven false. Cause it was like by, was it like AOC? It was like by 2020 or something. Right. Um, yeah. So Al Gore was these, 2012. So it keeps moving. Yeah, A lot of these prophecies have not come through obviously, uh, but we can't underestimate the effect it's had on our young, young people and how scared they are uh, when it when it comes to having kids. Wow. Well, so um, let's talk about uh, what people can do to make a difference. So we've got a lot of great laws now in the state level. We've, we've got challenges, though, on the abortion pill. And we've also got several states like Colorado mm -hmm. that have actually gone further to the extreme. Right. Now, Colorado was already abortion until birth. People didn't realize it, but they they felt the need to go ahead and pass a new law and add some other stuff onto it, like prohibiting pregnancy resource centers from telling people about abortion reversal. But, but um, 
what can people do to get involved and make a difference? Kristen, this really is the bottom line to me uh, as we're talking now on this show. Um, if, if, if people are watching right now, and first off, if they're, if they're students um, or if they're moms and dads or grandmas and granddads of students, uh, mm -hmm. they need to send them to Students for Life. Tell us why. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you need to send your young people to studentsforlife.org and they can immediately sign up or they can just email us at their state name, coloradostudentsforlife.org, uh, and you'll be instantly connected to our field team member uh, in the state. This is really important because we need, you know, we have a five-year plan. Uh, we just launched this school year to get a Students for Life group in every four-year campus across America. Um, and so we've got about 1,800 campuses to go. Uh, and, you know, the, these are important battles because this is where we are able to change hearts and minds before they become voters, uh, before they're faced with an unplanned pregnancy situation. Because a lot of uh, mothers now who are choosing abortion uh, aren't even in college. Uh, these are career women. These are women 25 plus. Um, some of these women have already had children. Um, and we also have to consider, too, and something that I don't do, I think, a good enough job of talking about is, Joining Students for Life gives young people a place. I know so many folks I talk to them talk about their kids, their grandkids, feeling lost, not really knowing where they fit in, where they can put their beliefs into action. Joining for, Students for Life gives them a place to channel that energy, to channel that desire to change our world. Um, and so it not only helps them transform their campus and their community to change minds and save lives and help women and families in crisis, but it also does something to you by being involved in Students for Life. So encourage you to go to studentsforlife.org. If you want to know more about what I've been talking about, chemical abortion, go to thisischemicalabortion.com. We have white papers, sample social media graphics, a kit, everything you can do to get involved. Uh, if you're not a student, uh, but I would encourage you to go to studentsforlife.org and still sign up. Um, because you will be added to our prayer team, uh, depending on the birth year you select. Uh, you'll be added to our prayer team, and so you'll be getting our prayer requests monthly, uh, as well as updates from me uh, on campus, what's happening, state capitals, what's happening across America uh, with the pro-life generation, and that all that we're doing, uh, which is, is so important. If you know a young person in your life who, um, you know, you're just trying to think of where do I get where, you know, what if you know they don't want to start a student life group, or what if they're not in college right now? I do have a website we created, um, and I'm checking it out just to make sure I'm giving you the right one. This is the glory of being on my laptop, um, and this can be available for anyone. It's called postroadgeneration.com. Hmm. On the site, there are 12 boxes, 12 simple ways. They range from easy to hard that anyone can get involved. Uh, one could be, you know impacting your student government. One could be pro providing and supporting pregnant parenting resources with our standingwithyou.org effort. One could be um, getting involved with our campaign for abortion-free cities, which is something that's geared towards students for life alumni and adults. Uh, we have a, a major campaign launching at abortionfreecities.com at the end of the month where we're inviting uh, pro-lifers who are alumni of students for life or who are a little older uh, to help us lead community efforts, because one of the things that we have we have noticed in the pro-life movement, um, you know, is is we need to do more going door to door, 
talking to our neighbors about who the pro-life movement is, we know that 75% of our neighbors that we, we knocked on their doors of last year in 20 neighborhoods surrounding abortion facilities, 75% had never heard of a pregnancy resource center. They didn't know where to turn. And when you're talking about changing hearts and minds and providing support in our communities, making our making our fellow community members understand abortion is unthinkable, the first thing we have to do is show them all that we do. And we have to show them all the resources that we have. And so that's what our campaign for abortion-free cities is about, is educating, promoting the local resources on the ground, highlighting the misdeeds of the abortion facilities. So you can sign up at abortion-free cities Org. And that's more of an adult uh, activity, um, more, more than for students. So uh, we've got another caller on the line, Kristen. Uh, before I go to her, though, let's follow up just a little bit on this abortion-free city. How are you making cities abortion-free? Are you getting them to pass laws banning abortion in their community? Or is it more of a uh, we're going to go door-to-door and persuade everybody? Um, it's all of the above. Okay. It's really all the above, Richard. We have kind of it's, it's kind of like going to um going up the mountain, right? You have the different base camps. The first step we've got to do is we got to educate our community, your community, your city, about the nonviolent alternatives. The second thing we've got to do is educate about the misdeeds, the violence, what's happening inside the abortion facility. Third thing we got to do is change just general minds of abortion. And the first thing we do is pass laws. And so, uh, you know, our abortion-free cities campaigns, uh, in one given month in one city. They're at the city council meeting stopping a pro-abortion buffer zone law from going into effect that would eliminate the right of sidewalk counselors to give information to going abortion facilities. They're door knocking with wagons full of diapers and wipes and giving these out in low-income neighborhoods. They're protesting in front of a, a local Planned Parenthood or joining a prayer campaign. So it, it's really a, a choose-your-own-adventure map that we help you make a custom plan for your community based on everything that's going on in your state, uh, you know, the politics of your state and what's happening. Well, that's a that's an amazing uh, idea. So again, to find out about these things, people can go to studentsforlife.org. Uh, studentsforlife.org. Right. And then the other one you mentioned with the 10 or 12 to-do lists, things or action steps you can take from easy to hard. Uh, what was the name of that one again? postrowgeneration.com postrowgeneration.com we got to work with you guys on shorter websites no i'm just kidding I know. <laughs> no it's great postrowgeneration.com you said Dot okay com. all right that is awesome okay let's go to our caller who's on the line uh elizabeth a, a truth and liberty subscriber is calling in from the wonderful state of missouri hi elizabeth how are you today I'm great, Richard. Thank you for taking my call. And I just want to thank you, Kristen and Richard, for all that you do, what you're doing in this matter. I just thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well, you're welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for calling in. What's your question today? My, my question today is, do either of you know what the hidden agenda is behind the uh, destruction of the babies and the children. Go ahead, Kristen. Well, you're the pastor, Richard. You probably could answer that better than me. I mean, uh, the hidden agenda depends on the person, but I mean, at the core of the Planned Parenthood, why pro-life, you know, why Planned Parenthood was created by Margaret Sanger was a eugenic mindset that certain people shouldn't be allowed to be 
to reproduce. Uh, sh there sh shouldn't be certain babies that are, that are to be born. We saw in the 70s with the uh, fear-mongering that happened, the, 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 the false prophecies that the world was going to be overpopulated, there was going to be mass famines and starvations because people kept having too many babies. Um, so at the end of the day, what they're trying to do is eliminate the population. They're trying to dramatically uh, eliminate the population. We've seen this now with the climate um, the climate change activists, folks, they think that they they truly think uh, that we need fewer people on this planet in order to preserve the planet and that they get to decide who are who are the fewer people. I think from a spiritual side, Richard could certainly answer that. Um, this is satanic and this yeah, is what the it, devil wants. Yeah, it absolutely is. Well, that's an awesome answer. And I, I just want to add that I do think it is a, obviously satanic. Um, <clears throat> you know, Satan hates uh, human beings because we are made in the image of God, and uh, he hates God and wants to de uh, dethrone God, so he hates humans because we're in the image of God. And so uh, abortion is mm -hmm. his, uh, his modern, maybe his final and most ultimate genocide, um, as it's the leading cause of death in the world and has been for a, for a while now. But, but uh, spiritually, the appeal of, of abortion, I think there's a spiritual uh, force behind it, which is a rebellion, uh, to be honest. It's a rebellion against a God's created order. It's a rebellion yep. that's rooted in a lie, uh, the lie that, uh, that women are fed um, to believe that um, that, uh, you know, they have to be like men in order to be valuable. They have to be like men in order to be uh, deemed successful and therefore they can't uh, fulfill their obligation and their design to have children and raise families and because that's a lesser yep. occupation and I think women have been sold that um, uh, and, and bought it hook, line, and sinker, frankly. Um, and so in the church, uh, we have failed to disciple the culture uh, by teaching that no womanhood is an honor to state. It's, on, it's a, a high calling to have children and to raise a family and that it's a special privilege. It used to be understood in this Christian nation and, and Christian men would protect and preserve that understanding. Uh, but now um, those things seem to be lost as we have turned everything on its head, Elizabeth, and we glorify physical pleasure over duty. Um, and sex is the, the greatest thing that anyone could ever engage in. So how could you have anything that restricts that? You know, and besides, it's a perfectly personal decision that no one ever, uh, no one else ever has any say on the morality of it. So you see the whole construct is satanic and evil, contrary to mm -hmm. the word of God designed yeah. by Satan to destroy human beings. That's my take. I actually just, I just pulled up the satanic temples abortion ritual on my laptop um, because in New Mexico, they're now operating a chemical abortion pill um, distributor. It's called the Samuel Alito's Moms Abortion Facility, and they're shipping uh, abortion pills across the country. These are the Satanic Temple. Uh, and so they actually have an actual ritual uh, that you can repeat as you're having your abortion, um, and it will tell you, you know, how this is your ritual. But the, the, the personal affirmation that you're supposed to repeat if you're a Satanist having abortion is by my body, by blood, by my will, it is done. Uh, and it's what they ask the women to repeat over and over again. And I actually met a Saint Satanist uh, last week on a campus. Um, it was pretty yeah. interesting to have that conversation.
Wow. Elizabeth, thank you for calling in. I hope that answers your question. I know that was a lot, but uh, we are about a minute and a, and a half past our break point. So I'm going to uh, take a pause here and we're going to share some information with our viewers. If you uh, have a question on your mind or heart, and you want to join our conversation, please feel free. The number is 719-619-2341. My guest is Kristen Hawkins, the head of Students for Life. And we're going to take about a 90 second break now. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Stop looking at this word as someday. We gotta look at it, it is for now. And the Spirit of God that created the universe, don't you think is big enough to teach you, to show you how to do things? See, it's when you say amen to the promises. This is mine, it's today, it's not 15 years from now, it's today. It's when you say amen that you start to glorify God. Love will give you the courage you need to do what you think you don't dare to do. Stop thinking that one day when I am super spiritual or when I have the money I need or no, start doing what he called you to do right now with the strength you have. So Father, we let your exceeding, immeasurable thought process, power and nature, we say yes to that today. All right, everybody, we're back now for the last installment on Truth and Liberty's live call-in show today. And uh, this has been a phenomenal program. My guest is Kristen Hawkins, the head of Students for Life. And, uh, you know, abortion touches everybody in this nation. Uh, you don't, uh, you either know someone who's had an abortion or, uh, or you perhaps have had mm -hmm. an abortion. I mean, it is incredibly common. I, I saw a stat the other day that one in four Christian women have had abortions in their life. So uh, this continues to be a huge issue. Now, I just wanna see if we can get a little bit of good news in the show yet though, Kristen. Uh, after Roe was overturned we and these new laws got passed in the States, I saw some statistics on how many babies' lives were saved because of these developments. Yeah. Do you have any updated numbers on it or, or just what what's your understanding as to how many lives have we saved just since Roe? Yeah, we were estimating just in Texas alone, it was going to be about a stadium full of 50 to 60,000 lives. That was in the year since the heartbeat bill went to effect. So that would have been September of 2021 before Rose reversal. We don't have a national abortion reporting law, Richard. That's a huge problem. The abortion industry doesn't let us have that. Um, and we know the abortion industry is working quickly to violate state laws preventing abortion by shipping these chemical abortion pills o over state lines. So we haven't seen any numbers yet, um, but I think it's very fair to say just within um, the, the first year, there probably, I mean, there were tens of thousands of babies saved. Um, and so much so there was an article on Newsweek not long ago that was actually blaming pro-lifers. Uh, this was kind of crazy. They were blaming pro-lifers. There was a nationwide diaper shortage for a couple of weeks. And they blamed us as the reason why there was a diaper shortage because <laughs> we had passed pro-life laws. So, um, so in other words, cool. we've saved that's so many good. babies that there's not enough diapers now. 
Yeah, and it's so well, crazy because like, God. why wouldn't the solution be? I don't know make more diapers as opposed to kill more babies like yeah they always have like these extreme solutions to a very obvious problem that has a very simple answer that's amazing well one of the stats too on your website uh kristen is 160,000 minds changed mm -hmm. last year on abortion i i think that's awesome how how do you track that for one thing how do you know if someone's mind has been changed yeah, so that was last year. And what we do when we're on campuses, our team and our students actually have to track the number of conversations that they have. We have a six point scale. So then they have to, at the, at the end of a conversation, you know, say that like, this is where the person was, this is where the person ended up. Online, it's the same, it's a little bit easier. We pre poll the person, ask them how they feel about abortion. We do a true or false quiz. Then at the end, we re ask them the same question. Uh, and so it's very easy for us to track. Uh, those com those conversations uh, that we have. Now, obviously, I can't measure every conversion because when people, you know, my videos of sure. me on campus have been seen tens of millions of times, uh, so I can't track that. But we do try as much as possible uh, to track the, the people we change minds and then hopefully sign them up, get them recruited to join the pro-life movement uh, in some extent, whether they're just getting email updates at first or if they're going to join our students life group, I was at Flagstaff last Thursday and talking to a Satanist and all these other crazy people that came out to protest me. We probably signed up 10 new members of the Students for Life group wow. that didn't even know it existed on campus. Mm, wow, that's awesome. And <clears throat> so there is good work being done out there. Oh, and, um, yeah. you know, uh, th one of the other things that I think people need to understand if they don't is the amount of money that our governments, mm -hmm. both state and federal, are giving to Planned Parenthood every year. And uh, now, Kristen, they, they say, yeah. oh, well, this isn't for abortion. This is for whatever, contraceptives mm -hmm. or mammograms and stuff like that. But tell, tell us, first of all, how much are we giving? How much is the federal mm -hmm. government giving to Planned Parenthood? And is that money helping them perform abortions? Absolutely, it's helping them commit abortions. It's over $600 million from taxpayers, federal and state dollars every year going to Planned Parenthood. Um, it's the amount of money is just unbelievable. We'll we'll actually get better estimates when we get a Republican president because the government accountability office will then actually answer our requests. Um, but um, it's it's a lot and we're actually giving them money. And we know that the money is fungible, right? So if you're right. giving an organization money to pay for their building, to pay for their electricity, to pay for their parking lot, that, you know, technically that's not funding abortions, but it's funding abortions because it's allowing them to either charge more money for their abortions and make more profit. Um, this is why, for example, the local independent abortion facilities, we call them the mom and pop chop shops, they really hate Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood, they, some of them have, quote, call them the Walmart of the abortion industry, that they undercut the true costs of the, of the abortion so they get a larger share of the abortion where independent abortion agencies that aren't getting taxpayer funds, they can't, they actually have to charge more for their abortions because they have to pay, you know, they take out money for their staff, for their building, for their parking lot, their electricity, for the, for the tools that they use, the sterilization, where Planned Parenthood can write that all off. Uh, with their government, with their government sugar daddies. Um, and so it's really interesting, you know, don't take my word for it. You can look at the other abortionists uh, who aren't government funding, how, how much they hate Planned Parenthood uh, for, for, for their government funding. 
So, so if I'm in a, and I'm, I, I can't even say this, but let's say I'm, I'm running an abortion clinic and my budget is a million dollars a year and 500,000 of that comes from the government. Now I have to put it in this fund over here and I can only pay for this other stuff, but that means I have $500,000 of my general operating fund that I can then move over here to pay yep. for abortions because I've got this okay. other thing that I can fall back on. So it's a total uh, scam. Mm -hmm. Uh, for the Democrats yep. to say that we're not funding abortion. This nation is funding abortions yep. big time. What percentage of Planned Parenthood's budget comes from government sources? Just roughly. Uh, it's, almost 50, it's almost 50%. I think the last thing report I saw, it was 47 to 48% government grants. And then they're also giving private donations for another quarter and then actual revenues from patients for uh, the other quarter. And uh, as far as services they provide, isn't it like 97% of what they do is abortion and only a small percentage is actual legitimate health care? Well, 90% of pregnant women who go into their doors are going to get an abortion. Um, and that we can, you can extrapolate that very easily from their own report. They try to, they try to confuse, shocking, the numbers. Uh, you know, what they do is they measure services, not appointments. So if a woman goes in for abortion, they're yeah. like, well, we only commit 3% abortion. It's, it's about 11% of what, 11 to 12% of what they do is abortions. And the reason they use the 3% number is they'll say, well, she came in for abortion, but we gave her a pap smear. We gave her 12 months of birth control. Um, and maybe we did a manual breast exam. They don't have mammograms. So that becomes 14, 15, that becomes 16 services for the one abortion. And that's mm -hmm. actually how... They can, even the Washington Post has given them Pinocchios on how they try to hide their abortion numbers by by using these services numbers. Uh, and former Planned Parenthood workers have attested to this as well. Um, so they are committing abortions. They are the largest abortion vendor in the country. Um, last I checked, it was over 380,000 abortions. No other entity kills more babies. Uh, it's about 1,025 children every day. Uh, their lives are ended at Planned Parenthood. And now, uh, something that a lot of folks don't know, they are the, I think, second largest distributor of wrong sex hormones for young people. And so that's their next cash cow, Richard. And they started this before Roe Reverse. They knew that this transgender ideology that they're you know, confusing our kids with was going to be a moneymaker for them. And so now... In many states, girls can go or boys can go and get on these hormone, these wrong sex hormones that can make them sterile for the rest of their lives within like after a 30 minute consultation. That's it. The parents don't wow. even have to know. Oh, the den of, den of Satan there. It's amazing. Guys, I want to mention to you that Kristen has a podcast of her own. It's called Explicitly Pro-Life. And uh, I'm sure that you can uh, catch that on any of the podcast channels that you are your favorite. But Kristen, how can people mm -hmm. uh, listen to that show? Yeah. And uh, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, you'll see Explicitly Pro-Life by Kristen Hawkins. Uh, the, the show is a Really one where I talk about uh, abortion, you know, where the abortion movement's going, the pro-life movement strategy. So I interview all of my friends, leaders, nationally in the pro-life movement, state leaders, to really get kind of on the ground what's happening in the pro-life movement, where folks uh, need to be paying attention to, where we can plug into and get active. Uh, and I'll also respond to a lot of the breaking news, 
uh, the things, the arguments that you're hearing, uh, you know, the chemical abortion, you know, what I talked about earlier, chemical abortion, I've had multiple episodes talking about how chemical abortion works, how it harms women, how it can be effective in being reversed, uh, how it harms the environment. I've had multiple episodes kind of breaking down some of these things that you might have heard from me and you're like, say what? I had never heard that. Uh, there's probably a podcast on whatever subject. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this one of the thing that you guys are doing that um, I wanted to talk about because you actually um, you, you you had a promo for this at our campus here at Karis Bible College a couple of years ago, but it's called Standing with You, and this is yep. your effort to, if I'm right, is to activate. Uh, people who care about life to actually not just be active on the political front, but also in the care yeah. for women and their uh, their children, both born and unborn. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Standing with you uh, is a tool that we use at Students for Life and then also in our Abortion Free Cities campaign. Uh, it's a comprehensive website that has more than 3,000 uh, resources for pregnant and parenting young people. You can go on, put your zip code, uh, start an immediate chat with a crisis counselor or a phone call. Or if you're like a millennial and Gen Z doesn't want to talk on the phone, put in your zip code uh, and you will find a plethora of resources actually organized out for you, you know, during the pregnancy, after the pregnancy. Um, these are public and private resources, but none of them, uh, you know, obviously support abortion or, or commit abortions. Um, and it's also a way for you to learn about the rights of students on campuses, the right of pregnant women in the workplace. Um, and there's a way for you to become, on the, way on, the, way on the homepage, you can hit become an advocate, become a community advocate, become a student advocate, where you can start advertising, standing with you. Put a yard, we have yard signs you can put in your yard. It just says, free confidential pregnancy help, standingwithyou.org. Put a bumper sticker or window cling on your car. Uh, we just held our second Standing With Her Sunday. Uh, as you all know, Richard, we held our first one there at Karis mm -hmm. uh, last year. And so this was really our, our plea to churches across America to stand up and promote these nonviolent resources because we know from the abortion industry's own statistics, more than 80% of women who choose abortion say they didn't want to have the abortion, but they felt like they had to have the abortion. We have more than 3,000 pregnancy and centers, maternity homes throughout the pro-life movement that's been supported and sustained, you know, all the 50 years of Roe versus Wade and now after, but so few know about them. I mean, some statistics say that we, that we only have a 10% market reach in communities. We have to do a better job and we will save lives by simply telling people the resources that are available in our communities. And you can be part of that work. And this is not controversial. You're not, you know, talking to somebody about a candidate or elections. Um, we arm all of our abortion-free cities uh, volunteers when they're going door to door. They're promoting standing with you. We're talking to our neighbors about resources. Um, this is the way, um, you know, the John Maxwell adage of people don't care how much you know until you know how much you care. Not only does it save lives, but it actually softens hearts to then be receptive and hear finally the truth about abortion. 
Wow, that is awesome, uh, fantastic. And we've got that website up right now. So, you know, maybe you're a pastor or maybe awesome. you wanna get your church involved uh, somehow, you need to check out this website um, because I, one of the things I'm curious about, Kristen, is what can churches do to engage um, on the yep. life issue to help? And I suspect there's probably a lot of resources they could do there. What, uh, something else is why not just make sure your people are aware and informed about the pregnancy resource centers in your area, adopt them, uh, uh, get volunteers for them, that kind of thing. What what recommend, recommendations mm -hmm. do you have for churches in this area? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go to abortionfreecities.org slash church. When you go to abortionfreecities.org slash church, you're going to see a button that says, get your free digital download. We have sample sermons. We have sample advertisements. Advertising, standingwithyou.org advertising at local pregnancy centers. Uh, this is where really where you can get your full kit of how to get started. It's abortionfreecities.org slash church. Uh, we want to get you and your church involved. We have over 110 church partners right now in our um, and throughout our 30 abortion free cities campaigns across the country. We need a lot more. Um, and the simple way for your church to get involved honestly the easiest way right now is just to get some sort of advertisements in your bulletin, um, in the take-home pamphlets, advertising standingwithyou.org, or you know the specific pregnancy center you have. Just getting that out there, and then also advertising post-abortive healing resources like supportafterabortion.com. I mean, just having that physical reminder every single week in the bulletin that your church cares about women who are struggling through, um, you know, an unplanned crisis pregnancy, that your church stands with women and men who are hurting from, from a past abortion decisions. It's just putting that in there and being consistent and always having that. And then we can talk about other things you can do. Okay, well, let's, uh, that's awesome. Let's make sure we talk a little bit about politics before the show's over. Um, you don't get enough of that, right, in your day. <laughs> but um, here, here we are, we're in mid-October 23. We're headed into 2024 mm -hmm. here pretty soon. And the presidential races are heating up and, and people are starting to look at the, the congressional races as well. You know, yeah. last year uh, in 22, we had congressional midterm elections and it was supposed to be this red wave. It turned out to be, I don't know, a red drip maybe. And, um, and the, the pundits say it's the abortion issue. It's the abortion issue. The left turned out its youth and its base in droves because of fear over Roe versus Wade. What's the, what's the plan right now as far as where you sit, Kristen, about how are we going to stop that from happening in 24? How are we going to message on abortion? Yeah. What, what interventions are we beginning to plan? Yeah, I just had a couple of meetings on Capitol Hill, some senators. I've got some more uh, this week when I'm back. I mean, the main message is that we have a nine-page messaging memo that we're giving to, to senators and national leaders is don't let the Democrats define you. Talk about abortion. If you yes. saw in 2022, the narrative was totally crazy what the mainstream media kept trying to say because the candidates that came out and were firm on abortion, J.D. Vance, the governor, yes. Brian Kemp of, of, of Georgia, Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio, Senator Marco Rubio, who the media kept saying was going to be in a fight for his life. Those were the first races that were called. 
it, it wasn't hard. It was the candidates where we didn't know where they stood. Right. The candidates who were purposely confusing on abortion. I saw something t- uh, today from Carrie Lake, who's running for Senate in Arizona, saying now she's not calling for, she doesn't believe in a national action on abortion, which is actually, that's absolutely crazy. Abortion is a human rights issue at the very forefront of our government, right? When our government, when our, when our leaders laid out the Declaration of Independence, it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Like, Duh, the government, the federal government has a role in protecting uh, uh, protecting life. And you could argue about the role in a lot of other things, but you can't take, you can't argue about the role in protecting preborn human life. This is a human preeminent human rights issue. Um, and so we have a lot of work to do to make these GOP candidates understand that we expect them to act. You know, for 50 years, we were told, well, you we can't really do much. It's Roe versus Wade. We got to get Roe versus Wade reversed. And then and then we'll do everything you want. And so we still voted for them. We worked for them. By the way, pro-lifers are like the hardest working campaign volunteers any campaign will find on the right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then Roe was reversed and was like, well, it's a state issue. I can't do much. And then we had state leaders who were like, well, I can't go too far. Uh, and so, you know, at Students Life Action, we're primarying people. Um, what we saw last year, we primaried state legislative leaders who betrayed the pro-life movement, who had run as pro-lifers, betrayed us in a vote. We won a bunch of those primaries. We won every single general election. Uh, when we when we primary these weak pro, you know, they call themselves pro-life, but these were these weak GOP candidates. And that was kind of the untold story of the 2022 election. We went into the January 2023 state legislative season with stronger pro-life majorities than we had in 2022. And no one even paid attention to it. The media didn't even pay attention to mm-hmm. it. And it was a group of young people spending a couple hundred thousands of dollars uh, who got that done. Um, and so these races can be won, but you can't run from a bully. And Planned Parenthood is 100% a bully. And this has been my messaging to every GOP candidate that I've talked to since Roe was reversed, that you cannot run away from this issue. If you run away from this issue, mm-hmm. they will paint you as an extremist. You have to paint them as the extremists that they are because Democrats cannot name one abortion they, they, are, they are against. They can't. They can't. Even if they personally are, they're terrified of Planned Parenthood. And so when asked, when press recently, some of these national media people have started get, catching off, like, wow, they really can't name one abortion they disagree with, which is vastly out of touch with 90-some percent of Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't let them to define you. And I think that's really going to be the race for us in 2024. It's been certainly you know, my, my work for the past year is really encouraging the GOP uh, Republican candidates to stand strong yeah. on this issue, right. um, and 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 you all, everyone paying attention and listening tonight, you all play that important role because you're the ones out there talking to them, meeting them at churches, meeting them at town halls, and they need to hear it from everybody that we expect them to lead on this issue, not to backtrack if they want our if they want our vote. I mean, by the way, if you're running for federal office and you don't think there's a role in in the federal government protecting preborn babies, then maybe you shouldn't be running for federal office. Like, it's pretty simple. 
Well, if they um, if they really believe that abortion is a state's issue now and no role for the federal mm -hmm. government, then the first thing they ought to do when they get to Washington is uh, pass a law banning or revoking the FDA's uh, jurisdiction over that abortion pill. Let the states handle that. Um, uh, but anyway, I agree 100% with you, Kristen. I think in 22, mm -hmm. what we saw was those conservatives who were not afraid of being conservative, who were not afraid of biblical values yep. and, and free enterprise yep. and everything, that, that stood strong against the woke agenda, they won. It was the ones yeah. who took the advice of the party and the party leadership yeah. and the political consultants, yeah. and they tried to compromise, and all they wanted to talk about was Joe Biden's economy. They're the ones that didn't make it. And uh, this is time and again, the problem on the Republican side is Republicans are so scared of losing the yeah. middle when what they don't realize is that the middle is looking for leadership. And what you got to do is you got to activate your base and you got to let people know that they can trust you because you're a person of your convictions and you're going to do what you what you say you're going to do and uh, the the political establishment still doesn't understand that that's what got Donald Trump elected so I uh, and but speaking of Trump I'm afraid he's starting Whoa. to drink the Kool-Aid um, yeah he's starting to listen to those consultants that he's decried I mean I have been so disappointed in his rhetoric I mean and it's not, it's disjointed. Some of the times he'll say he's the sole reason why Roe versus Wade was reversed, that he was the greatest pro-life president to ever live. And by record, he was the greatest pro-life president to ever serve. Um, but then the next breath or the next like line of Twitter or true social, he'll say, you know, he'll discourage the pro-life movement. He, he, he came out and publicly denounced our Heartbeat Protection Act that mm -hmm. we worked so hard to pass in Florida. And I get he's running against Ron DeSantis, but why attack? The heartbeat bill. I mean, thinking from from my perspective, I'm going to be recruiting 1,500 kids who are going to be going out and doing the thing that young people hate the most, having real life, in person, not via text conversations. And they're going to have to go to the doors in some of these very hard purple neighborhoods where, you know, their lives could be threatened just for going to the door, telling, you know, asking people to vote for the, the Republican candidate, which by all means right now by the polls looks like it's going to be President Trump. Uh, this is really going to hurt us when we're trying to recruit students uh, to go out and door knock for him. Uh, if he continues to disparage the pro-life movement, I just, I, I, we've been, we've been doing petitions. We've sent letters to his campaign of like, please stop listening to the, the, the swap consultants because you were exactly right, Richard. This is what they've been saying for decades to Republicans: mm -hmm. is stay away from the abortion issue. The abortion issue is toxic. Stay away. They've literally been saying this for decades, um, and, but that's not the problem. It's the pro the problem is the way certain people talk about this issue, the way they talk about other issues. I've done the polling. I know exactly where young people how they view the pro life movement. I know exactly how they view Republicans, and I have to tell you. Our brand in the pro-life movement is a lot better than the brand of Republicans in the eyes of young people, the largest demographic in our country. We bring young people into the pro-life movement. I was talking to a student in El, um, outside of El Paso, New Mexico, a week and a half ago, and for like two hours, a student on campus was grilling me on everything. And at the end of it, he came up, gave me a big hug, and wanted a picture, even though, and he said, you know, I just... I understand what you're saying. I can't vote for Democrats anymore. You're right. Their platform mm -hmm. is 100% pro-abortion. And but his, then his thought, his next one was, I can't vote for Republicans either because they're a bunch of racists. Mm -hmm. And so, so I was like, uh, uh, vote third party. <laughs> uh, there we go. <laughs>
Uh, I'm going to go. But don't, you know, so just don't vote for a Democrat. Um, so, you know, it, so it, there's a lot that we need to do and that we can do. But it is, we should not allow Republicans to, to throw away this issue, throw the baby literally out with the bathwater. Um, yes, not every constituent is going to be with you. But I tell you what, they're going to respect you from telling the truth. And so, you know, you may not be with me on 100% abortion should be prevented, but I bet, Mr. Pro-Choice Voter, you're probably closer aligned with me than you are with Joe Biden, who doesn't think there should be any limits on abortion up until the moment of birth and taxpayer-funded. And doctors and nurses who disagree with abortion should be forced to commit commit them. And then the voter's like, oh, yeah, which side am I going to choose? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's amazing. So the... Um, I just wanted to kind of recap for a minute, Kristen. Um, you, your resources at Students for Life are incredible. What you guys are doing is incredible. Your, your website is studentsforlife.org. And then you've got another one that, um, let me get that up there, studentsforlife.org. Uh, the other one is, um, is uh, uh, what is it, abortion? You're going to have to Abortion-free give it to Abortion-free cities. Abortion-free abortion cities. cities. Dot okay. org. org. And then what was the one about um, pro-life uh, pro generation, was it? or Postrogeneration.com. Postrogeneration.com. So, guys, uh, check out these resources today. I want to encourage everybody who's watching today or hears this video, would you please have a conversation with your pastor about uh, the resources of Students for Life and how you might be an instrument in your church. Don't put it on him now or her, right? You be the answer about how you might be able to get those resources connected to the people in your church. Would you talk to your pastor about maybe adopting a, a pregnancy resource center in your church, having a Students for Life table uh, possibly okay. in the lobby where you can get this information to the people in your congregation because it all it, it is on a local level that's where we make the most difference that's where we're going to activate and then we build from there and uh so and then you guys be in prayer uh millions of lives are dependent upon our prayers and the work of this amazing organization there are others out there of course and we love and respect them but Kristen, uh, you are at the top so uh we really Thank appreciate so that so um Give me your prayers uh, absolutely, we will. And uh, so I just want to thank you again for coming on the show, guys. I also want to extend a special thanks to the CTN Network for carrying our show uh, once a week. They're great folks. If you uh, don't know about that ministry, you need to check that out. And Kristen, real quick here, um, you guys don't need any many offerings because money grows on trees, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, how can they give to support Students for Life? Yeah, just go to studentsforlife.org uh, at the top of the page and a little green button, just hit donate. I would love to earn your support, your monthly support. Um, as inflation gets higher, so does all of our prices with gas and free Chick-fil-A meals. We're providing our students our trainings and our flights. Um, it just continues. Uh, the need has never been greater uh, now that we're in the post for America because this is truly all a 50-state right. battle. Amen. Amen, guys. But we got Roe reversed. Uh, Roe reversed. We can do this, That's too. Right. We can eliminate abortion in our lifetime. Thank you so much for watching to all of you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. Thank you, Kristen, for being our guest. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in Clear. our archives at truthandliberty.net. 
Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.